sei que não se amei, que não se amei sozinho. Onto the wing, big space, Quintana saves. Wing. Braço no ar. Grande defesa de Alfredo Quintana. A melhor, qual delas a mais? O de Alfredo Quintana. Repara, até um sobe. Não When we fade, another save. Quintana, number 10. He picks it up first. It stays with Slovenia. Second shot. Saved by Quintana. Double save. Dovniak. Grande defesa de Alfredo Quintana. Kept out somehow by Quintana. Alfredo Quintana makes the save down low and. Brilliant stop. Oh, big Alfredo. Quintana evita! Não consegue marcar a formação do kill. 20 segundos para o final do jogo. O Porto ganha! Golo do Porto! Vitória na Alemanha! Vitória contra o kill! História à formação do Futebol Clube do Porto é uma vitória estratosférica da equipa de handball do Futebol Clube do Porto. Hello everyone and welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour. It's Chris O'Reilly here joined by Alex Kilesh and Brian Campion. There's been plenty happening in the handball world over the last few weeks, but honestly, we felt we couldn't talk about anything that's happened on court until we address one of the saddest pieces of news to come out of the handball world in years, honestly. And that was from last Friday when Porto announced that Alfredo Quintana, their goalkeeper, the Portuguese national team goalkeeper, passed away at the incredibly young age of just 32, having suffered a cardiac arrest on Monday at training. It's uh, been a devastating week or two weeks for the handball community and where we also lost Zlatko Saracevic, the Podravka Vegeta coach who passed away just the day before on the Sunday, age 59. He had an incredible handball playing career himself with an Olympic gold medal in 1996 and two decades as a top Champions League player for some huge clubs like Vesprem and Zagreb. It's been amazing to see the handball community come together like this. Millions of people across the world sharing their love and showing just how tightly knit this community is. And I think I speak for us all in giving our love to Alfredo and Zlatko's family and friends. And now to speak about Alfredo Quintana, we have our dear friend and a man who knew him very well, Marcio Menino. Over the years, we've had you on the podcast twice before, and they were for very, very happy memories on both occasions. And they both coincided with some amazing results from the Portuguese national team. And almost every time it was down to one man in particular, and that was Alfredo Quintana, particularly the first time we had you on in the pod back in October 2018. This time, same man, but completely different circumstances. How are you dealing with the news from last Friday and everything that's happened over the last week and a half? To be honest, it has been like 
probably one of the toughest weeks uh, for me. But uh, I think for I think that I can speak for all the uh, the Portuguese handball, the entire handball community in Portugal. But uh, it has not been easy. It's um, we're talking about like someone was kind of like idolized not only by Porto fans, though the 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 club that he he played for, but Uh, from uh, opponents, from uh, uh, grown-ups to even veterans, people like with in their 60s that watched uh, handball since ever and uh, watched the national team from Carlos Rezende. And even them uh, acknowledged the, the fact that Quintana was one of the best in the Portuguese history. Yeah, and, and now he's gone. For people on the outside who have just seen him play on on TV or on EHF TV or whatever, it sounds like the people who knew him, it wasn't just that he was just a great player, but he seemed to be a very charismatic person off the court. That's that's one of the things that I think the, the majority of people will miss. Uh, it's uh, how he approached the, the sport and how he approached the people that make the sport because he was the guy that actually went out and like say hello to everybody the cleaning lady the the fan that was like uh, you know like kind of like with his home jersey and, and supporting uh, even Porto or even the the opponent's fan he would go there he would go there and just like in the end of the match he didn't he didn't have like a, a single drop of animosity against him it, it, it's a game for him it, it's just a game he actually has this 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 sentence in his instagram account An enemy is different from being a rival because an enemy wants something bad for you. The rival wants the same thing as you to win. And uh, for him, as soon as the match was over, that's it. That's it. You're no, you're no longer my rival. You're just the same person as I am. And I have no problem whatsoever with saying hello and giving, especially giving hugs because he loved, he loved to hug people. And it was amazing to see the kids like going wild. They were like, oh, always going for him and uh, going for high fives and stuff like that. And it was very, very, very approachable on, on that side. Every time Porto had this things with the kids at schools and stuff like that, he, he was always going. And then uh, he was always trying to talk with the kids and saying, saying for them not to like, don't give up of your dream fight for your dreams, you know, like play for it. If you want to be a player, be a player if you want to do it. But always remember that you're going to have to train hard. And I think that was, this was his motto. His motto of life was like, uh, I will never give up and I will always go for my dreams. We're talking about a guy that came from Cuba and um, he never forget, forgot home. It's like he was always playing uh, Cuban songs and uh, Latino songs and stuff like that. Uh, always dancing in the in the locker room, uh, but as soon as you go like, yeah, it's time for play. He switch it and boom, let's play. He he knew that he that it was always a time for everything, a time for playing, a time for having fun, a time to be with their with his family. So, I think that this is what uh it's making the worst thing is like he was not he was not uh, I probably some people will not agree with me, but for me, what I saw from him was like. Not a single drop of uh, of evilness or uh, arrogance or uh, greed or something. No, he was doing his thing 
fighting for his for his stuff and uh, yeah and he kept like always with a smile and for you personally when was the first time you met Quintana I think 2014 in a game I was doing a commentary for Bola TV and he was playing against Sporting and this was in Lisbon it was Sporting Porto and I met him there and it, it, like for the first time I saw how big he was like <laughs> the huge like two meters tall guy like you know like big hands and and I felt like okay if this guy slaps me uh, I'm going to I'm going to drop the, I'm going to drop it right here I'm going to be <laughs> laying on the floor uh, but then his attitude was completely like he was uh, at the time it was warm up and he was just going to the sporting bench and uh, saying hello to everybody, you know, like high fiving all the players, like wishing a good game for everybody, you know. But uh, yeah, as soon as the, the 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 referee started whistle, the first whistle, it was like, yep, game face. This is it. And I think at the time he won the match, but it was not like. Of course, everybody goes like, yay, shout out and, uh, you know, like power up after you, you win. But for him, it was like, he did that and then boom, okay, it's done. Game is, game is done. And then uh, just, uh, you know, like hugs to everybody, to his teammates, especially to his teammates. And he always had this um, gratitude uh, for uh, the people around him that uh, allowed him to pursue his dream. That was the first impression of like how big the guy was. It was like, damn this guy is massive and at the time i i had no doubt whatsoever that he would like it was filling the the, the goal and at, a, at sometimes when you watch the games is like um where 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 can i go where can i go to you know to score the goal uh but uh yeah and i always loved the um, even against my 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 team the, the club that i that i usually support but I always loved when he goes like, he says, and he goes like, you know, like that cheeky smile, kind of like, <laughs> uh, just like. The glint in his eye. Yeah, 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 yeah. Always like that. And especially uh, in the Euro, I, I think we have one of the best footage ever that he, he saves. He grabs the ball and he goes like this, you know, like pumping the ball saying, yep, that's this is mine. And he, he did that like in almost every single game whenever he had like two three saves in a row it was like yep you know like taunting the the opponent but at the same time just chilling having some fun doing uh doing handball i think the incredible thing about seeing all these tribute videos coming out is exactly what you said there they, they weren't his saves they were him giving his teammates pats on the back hugs meeting fans, just interacting with people before the game and after the game. And that really sums up the kind of person he is. And I think you said it beautifully. After the news came out on Friday, what has the reaction been like in Portugal in particular? Because I think all of us on the pod here and people listening will have a very good idea of what the international community has said and how everyone has come together so beautifully. But what has it been like in Portugal itself? And has there been any more news or details of what exactly happened? Uh, there were a lot of rumors when mm. the thing happened. Like, uh, for example, when Monday he fell on, uh, on practice, there were immediately rumors that he spent like a lot of time without oxygen, like kind of like one hour without oxygen going from the the hall the practice hall to the hospital 
they were trying to reanimate him, you know, like doing all the the manual uh, and stuff like that. And um, there were other rumors that I I actually don't, don't have any clue if uh, that happened or not. But at, at, at a given time, I uh, I got info that uh, his mother was coming from Cuba, and uh, immediately I felt like, okay, yeah, so it actually is true. And it was the moment that uh, that I learned that she was coming that I felt that uh, yeah, uh, Quintana was unfortunately gone. And but it's uh, it's a it's a thing that just so you know, like I know that for example, I remember when uh, uh, Miklos Feher dropped in the in the stadium uh, when Bifica was playing. And it was a shock. Like it was the same thing. Like he was smiling because I, he just got a, a yellow card, and second later he was dead in on the floor of of, of the of the stadium, and um, like I felt like everybody was was sad, of course, but I didn't feel the same thing that I felt with Quintana in this last Friday, and also yesterday when it was his funeral. It was like. Every single sport in Portugal, every single team in Portugal, and I'm not talking only handball. I'm talking like hockey, you know, like roller skating hockey. I'm talking like volleyball. I'm talking like basketball, all those, and even football. Uh, I'm talking like every single team made a tribute to Quintana. That's how big... It was here back back home, like back in in Portugal. That's how big it is, and how big people knew him from all the his performances and uh, and especially his personality. We're talking like basketball players from Sporting and Benfica coming to the game because they had like classics. There was a classic game. Their emotions towards the, the Porto uh, players was like, we feel really sorry for your loss. Because Quintana was a guy that always went to other sports and liked to talk with people from different sports, especially basketball and roller hockey. Like the captains knew him. Like they like they all get together in the, all those uh, Porto meetings and reunions and all that stuff. And he was always like the kind of like the, the the king of the party, you know. And uh, at the same time, at the, it, it is a mix of feelings of happiness to see that. He was so well in knowledge and so well known by everybody. Uh, but at the same time, that feeling of loss that you just lost like someone really, really good. Not just like sports-wise, but as a, as a great person. And there was like a commotion. All the, um, especially the, the, the sports uh, newspapers did like a special, uh, you know, like first page with uh, saying goodbye to Quintana. Immediately, Porto said that uh, the number one jersey will never be worn again in in Porto, which is like it's like major major thing. People like starting saying that we have to change the name of the arena from the Dragão Arena to Quintana Arena, something like this. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, I think yesterday was kind of like the last blow when you finally see the the Porto players giving their last tribute to his friend, to his family uh, at the funeral. And you start reading and uh, seeing what they wrote in the, in social media. It's, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know how, how it's going to be the, the next games. Um, I remember uh, Portela, especially Portela, because I kind of like saw, saw some, some, some of the game. I remember Portela playing the next day with Tremblay, and he scored five goals, and he started crying. And um, we're talking about Diogo Oliveira from in Switzerland and João Ferraz also from his team playing in Switzerland, and both of them like they 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 were like shit. I remember George uh, George Silva was playing against Frad uh, from Barcelona. Frad Frad was wearing a jersey with Quintana, and I was giving the the captain's uh, band armband. And there's this like there's this photo with Frad defending and uh, George Silva, the, the right back, uh, going to attack. And you can see in, in the photo, in, the, in Silva's face, that like, he's looking at Frad and he's crying. You can see like his face is like someone of completely sorrow, someone that is deeply sad. And they had to play because so it's the thing. They're, they're professionals. You, you have to play despite uh, some, like probably one of your best friends just died. But um, it's uh, it's somewhat weird. There's not not a how can I say? It? There's not a word that can explain all this. A 32 year old guy drops dead. Maybe Marcio, you could tell us for people who um, who didn't know. You mentioned he was from Cuba. There, maybe give us a bit of background of how he actually got involved with the Portuguese national team. Ah, uh, yeah. So uh, there was this guy called Magalhães that everybody knows. Fabio. No, not Fabio. Not Fabio. Oh. A different Magalhães. A different ah. Magalhães. Yeah. And at the time, um, Quintana was playing for Cuba in the like, Pan American Championships in Chile, and he actually went there to like kind of like scout, you know. It was uh, Quintana, Salina, and uh, Alexis. Kind of like the trio was kind of like scouted, you know. But Quintana was, I think, was the first. I think it was Quintana or Salina. Like, they came like two at the same time or something like this. And this was like 2010, I think. And then in 2011, he arrived at Porto. By the end of 2010, beginning of 2011, something like this. He arrived at Porto. At the first, like, I know this is uh, something people kind of like, you know, like the prejudice, you know. And they're like, who's this guy? Like, Cuba? What's a handball in Cuba? Like, nobody knows there's handball in Cuba. Yeah, the guy was big. He was like, Quintana was massive, two meters tall. He was uh, taking a degree uh, in Cuba. He was taking a degree in um, training, you know, like athletes training stuff stuff like that you know sports training stuff like that so it's like if it was fit you know like and the guy comes and there was this uh ugo laurentino there you guys know of course legend in uh, in porto in a porto club and laurentino kind of like was his father in in the team you know like he embraced him and said listen uh, this is a talk that i had with quintana okay this is a, what i'm gonna say this is a talk that i had with quintana Quintana told me, I arrived at Porto and uh, Lanontino embraced me. I knew nothing about Porto. Like I knew the football team, didn't know anything about handball team. And, and he said to me, kid, if you listen well, you practice good, you may turn someone here in this club. Kind of like, be patient, do your thing, like practice hard. 
don't like don't make waves and you and you may become someone really important it took him one year <laughs> that was it <laughs> one year <laughs> by 2012 he was already like established in the team like double team uh, Laurentino and Quintana like best duo in the entire league by 2014 he was uh, filling out the the papers and uh, being uh, known as a Portuguese goalkeeper as uh, this uh, thing that I don't know I think all the nations have this like when, when there's something that is uh, of utmost importance for the nation uh, instead of five years living here you can apply for like after three years of something or four years you can apply for it and become a national citizen so so, so Alfredo Quintana after just over a year was becoming a matter of national significance for Portugal <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one year And obviously he he was there for the growth of Portugal into you know the powerhouse it is today. That's a good thing Alex. You you, you guys probably don't know because this is somewhat um kind of like in a dark side of history of the handball in Portugal. By mid 2000s uh Portugal had, was still divided in uh, the professional league which is like the best teams with shit shitloads of money. And uh, the best teams were doing like this kind of like first division professional league. And they were kind of like going up against the Portuguese Federation. Didn't have the resources uh, to like make it a, a profitable sport. And so there was like two first divisions. One was professional league. The other one was uh, called Division d'Elite. By 2010, everything was already at the Federation. Everything was cleared, but it takes time, you know, like. It takes uh, like a couple of years, few years, maybe four, five, six years to kind of like come back from that. This is the dark side, the dark period, the, those 17 years that everybody talks when we go into the Euro. So this is like aggregated on that. So we had the World Cup 2003. And at the time they were separated. They were already separated. But then they started the feud. You know, that was a huge feud. Then collapsed one single federation. And we have to be reborn again like and Quintana came in the beginning of that reborn so this last 10 years it's kind of like the beginning of that reborn um, Portela was part of the team U, U21 U20 U21 Portugal team that kind of like was like vice champion of Euro or something like this or five, fifth place or something like this so that was the generation of Magalhães also Portela Magalhães 88, 89 was this this, this generation And Quintana kind of like showed up, kind of like came from the same generation, you know, 32, 31 years old. And yeah, kind of like, yeah, I feel, I feel, I feel good. Uh, I'll be part of you guys. I'll be part of your team. No problem whatsoever. Uh, and yeah, so this is like, the, this is the 10 year growth of uh, Portuguese handball that now gave fruits. And how crucial in that growth was Quintana? When you have someone as competitive as Quintana, it's kind of like you give a power boost to your team, you know? Porto decided to have like this huge team, put, like they won the, the championship seven times in a row or something like this, roughly like this, seven. At the same time, Gilberto was in his team. So like the best players were, were, were playing in Porto. Even Rui Silva that was in Sporting went to Porto in the last 
four or five years or something like this. Uh, Areia was in Benfica, went to Porto. Uh, so kind of like the the PSG of Portugal, you know, like not with the, like shitloads of money, you know, like paying millions to players, but giving them like good money and uh, also a competitive team. And Quintana was part of it because he was the guy that he always pushed up for his mates, you know, like, like I said, he, he knew when to play, but he also knew when to, you know, like, this is it. We have to get serious and stuff like this. So he brought that spirit that usually Porto has in um, a lot in football, like that combative, you know, like being always a warrior and going up against anybody. He had it naturally. It was part of him. Like he knew uh, from the start that he always had to fight. And he, he always said this in the any press conference that he did any interviews that he did that, that he was not a survivor i'm a warrior a fantastic warrior and he did it also in a, in a hand handball when you have this competitive uh, uh, natural feeling and you 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 send it to your teammates and your teammates receive it you feel that you compelled to you know to to give your best And at the time, Porto was doing this team. They wanted to go and uh, like make history, and they did, of course. And he was part of it because he was always the guy that go, even when they suffered goal, he was always like, let's go, let's go. More time, we have time, let's go. Always, let's go, boom, save, boom, go. Let's go, gold, we'll go. And you can see that, especially, um, I remember like from, from memory now, that save against Kiel, and I think there was a lot of, of that in, on social media, like oh, yeah. 30 seconds to the end, Kiel has the ball, Quintana saves with a, a like, sw- like diving to the line, to the goal line, saves the ball, gets it, and uh, Porto goes, and uh, Rui Silva scores the last goal at the last second. So this is like, this is the thing, you know, uh, 30 seconds, I guess, I guess, one of the best teams in the world, your Porto, of course, the best team in in Portugal, but going up against Kiel at Kiel's home in the arena, and and you win by one with a last second save and a le- kind of like a last second save and a last second second goal. It's like, come on, like it's not an easy feat. No, to do that. <laughs> I think we were all watching that game. It's one of those games everyone ended up watching at the same time because Porto. The new boys in the the top group A and B were all of a sudden, you know, putting it up to Kiel in Kiel, and then yeah, it was uh, Nikola Bilic tried to spin shot past Quintana. He spun it past him, but Quintana dived back just onto the line, and then yeah, the rest is history. I want to take you back two and a half years because I mentioned at the beginning of our chat that the first time we got you onto the podcast was just after the first qualifiers that Portugal played for Euro 2020. And, you know, this Portuguese team we've we've talked about privately and on the podcast over the years, been knocking on the door, trying to get into major championships, being the, you know, the 17th team in a 16-team championship, just being the one team that doesn't make it, being so close. But then it all began to change on uh, one late evening, the 24th of October 2018, where... Alfredo Quintana conceded just 13 goals against Romania. Portugal won 21-13. Quintana had, I think, 18 saves, you said, on the podcast at the time. And uh, it kick-started their route to playing at major international tournaments. And, you know, if it wasn't for playing in those major international tournaments, not as many people would have been exposed to 
the man himself. True, true, true. And I remember, I remember that talk, and I because I I was there at the at the hall for for that game, working for the Portuguese Federation, and I think that the turning point was actually not that game. That game was actually was very important, like you said. Mm. Uh, but I think the turning point was against Serbia for the world championship, like the world qualification that we lost at home. I think we lost like by three or four goals, something like this. At the time, everybody was pissed. Like, especially Quintana was pissed because when you have like 10, 11, 12 saves and you still lose the game, you feel like shit. You feel like, you know, like what the hell? And even uh, the coach, uh, Paulo, Paulo Pereira, talked about it. I think he said, I think the, he said that the turning point was against Serbia because after that, I think the mentality changed. I think that they felt, they finally felt that although they lost against Serbia, they knew, like, okay, what the, what the hell? We can do this. Like, if we played against like this and we played like, like we played bad against Serbia. We actually played really bad against Serbia, and uh, and we only lost by this, which means this means that if we play well, we can actually beat them, kind of like easily. At that moment, we knew that we could beat we could beat France. Also, the coach talked about it, and one of the things that they talked about the coaches was like the defensive system and also the goalkeepers' part in in that. And it's amazing. We also we already talked about it with Umberto and Hugo Laurentino at the time, and but also with Quintana. It's amazing how um, how well they were, like Umberto and, and Quintana and Laurentino, but more the, the the both Umberto Umberto Gomes and Quintana. They were opponents, but there they felt like almost like brothers. You know, they did everything together. Always supporting each other, you know, like th that talk, you know, like that hand on the shoulder. And Quintana really liked to, you know, like, like I said, he really liked hugs. Always like this, you know, talking with the old man and the old man would come and talk, talk with him like this, you know. And I think that was the most important thing was that they felt like there was nothing else than, than the, the national team. And in the game against Romania, Quintana played the entire game. And like I said, 18 saves and stuff like that. And Umberto was celebrating each and every single save of it. You know, like, there's not the thing like he's sitting down and he's clapping. No, no. He was like standing up and going like, yeah, you know, like, Ugh! and uh, when you, when you see this, when you, you feel, you feel this and you, you know, there's this, this kind of like spirit. And um, I think that after that game that we won against Romania, we knew exactly what we had to do. We knew exactly that it was one, just one step. We can do it. We just need to believe it. And what better way than a, than a guy that came from Cuba believing that he could follow his dream. And, and he was following his dream. He came. One year after he came, he was uh, one of the most important players already in the team. He became a national citizen. He qualified for the Euro. He qualified for the World Championship. And uh, like he said, my only dream, my dream is almost at the end. And I said, why do you say that? I only need more of the Olympics. I already have a, a, my wife and my daughter, so I only need the Olympics to finish it. And that was it. He only needed the Olympics. But uh, in, uh, like, in the Euro, I had this, uh, this talk with him because there was this game that uh, 
kind of like I felt that he he was kind of like disappointed with himself. So yeah, I I talked with him like 10 minutes or so. And uh, he, he he said to me, um, I asked, is everything okay? Like, you feel like something, you know, like down? And he goes like, I have to do more. I'm like, what? What do you mean? I have to do more. I have to do more than this. I'm like, but no, no, I have to do more. I always have to do more. Why do you have to do more? Because I always did. All my life, I always did it all alone. And uh, I still have to do more. And I'm like, but Alfredo, you're you're not alone anymore. You have the guys, you you have the, the coach, you like you're not alone. And he goes like, I know. That's why I can let you down. Boom. Didn't spoke a single word after that. I was like, shit. This guy, they kind of like did almost everything alone, like he said, coming from Cuba alone, he's not the survivor, but the warrior. He always felt that he was in debt, you know, always felt that he was in debt. And um, yeah, I think the, the, this is the, the thing, you know, like do more, like wanting more. I have to give more. I have to want more because uh, things will not show up just because I want it. I have to, you know, work for it. And uh, yeah, I think that was kind of like the spirit that he, he, he got it through to the rest of the players. And um, it's it's a question of mentality. It's a question of mentality. You may be the strongest guy in the world, but uh, if you do not believe that you're going to rise that uh, weight, if you not if you don't believe it that you're going to get it up, then uh, you won't get it up. Well, I think I, I think that's that's the perfect way to end it, Marcio. It's a, it's a beautiful tribute to the man that uh, you knew well and that everyone listening and, and the three of us knew through his handball and uh, and the joy he gave everyone in his very incredibly limited time. Uh, that was beautiful. Marcio Minio, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Marcio. Thank, thank you, guys. So Take care.